so grateful to be here. My name is Simon. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I want to welcome you if you're joining us for the first time or visiting. We'd love to connect with you in the back afterwards and hear more about your story and how you got here. We are in the middle of our series on parables called Vignettes of Spiritual Truth. Uh, this is part three. We are going to be in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles and you like to get a, a head start, you can go to Matthew 18 and just jump right there and hang out. But we're going to get there in a second. Um, at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, at the heart of our belief and our, and our love from the Father revolves around forgiveness. There's something about that idea that you can't escape in any avenue of the gospel of where you go. We've been forgiven by God. We've been in rebellion uh, against God. And yet he has chosen to forgive us through the death of his son on the cross. When the Bible talks about sin, when the Bible talks about rebellion, it's oddly enough, it, it uses money as a metaphor all the time. It talks about wages and it talks about debt. When it talks about what that looks like, that there is this way of calculating our sin and how it's built up and what it does, and it uses money because we understand how that works. In Romans 6, 23, it would say, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or in Colossians 2, 14, it would say, by canceling the record of debt, that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. I'm sure most of us realize that debt doesn't go away. Like, well, maybe if I just ignore the bills, they'll stop coming. No, they, they come more, and then the phone starts ringing. And, and there's this thing that has to happen that the debt has to be paid for in some way, shape, or form, or the debt needs to be absorbed right? Someone needs to do that. That has to take place. Uh, there's no such thing as a free cancellation of debt. We will say, but Simon, they're going to cancel all the college debt. It's going to be great. It's just free money, right? We all know there's no such thing as free money. We know there's going to be someone to pay that. Who pays that? Thank you. Yes, us. We pay that. that the government may have forgiven it, but we got to pay it back. And so we know that that doesn't go away. And the odd part is this, when it comes to forgiveness, there's only one person that can do the forgiving when there's a debt occurred, isn't there? So it, it'd be nice if you go, oh, Simon, I have this huge debt and I, I haven't paid my credit card. There's tens of thousands of dollars. You say, you know what? Your debt's forgiven. Go on your way. I can't do that. The bank would surely not like that either. Like, that's just not going to happen. So the offended party, the one that has accrued, the, has given the money out, is the one that has to forgive. Well, today we're talking about that. We're going to talk about debt and God's view on that debt, about forgiveness, and then how his children are to respond in light of that forgiveness of debt that they've had. So... If you have your Bibles, Matthew 18. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you underneath the seat. We encourage you to read along, but if you can't do that, it'll be up on the screen and you'll have everything you need. So it starts in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you have not had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, I ask that you would, you would open our eyes to see what's going on in our hearts this morning. Lord, I ask that we would see the forgiveness that you've extended to us and what we've received from you for those that follow and worship your son, Jesus. And that through that, Lord, that there would be a transformation of our hearts that would cause us to emulate and become image bearers of the most high God and his grace and mercy that he extends to the world around him. Holy Spirit, if there's things that I'm going to say today that are just really not from you, I ask that you would take them from my notes, my mouth, my mind, my lips. Just get rid of them. If there are things that I need to say that are very specific to the men and women that are sitting here this morning, that you would give me the ability to hear you and to respond and to communicate those words. We know that your word transforms, Lord, and we ask that you would transform our hearts. We love you. For these things in your glorious and amazing name, amen. So this parable that we're in is coming off the heels of, of another teaching. And it's Jesus is talking to the disciples and those around about what happens when your brother sins against you. So he talks about what's going on and he's teaching on what that looks like and how we should do that. And then in kind of Jesus fashion, he then moves into a story because he's like, I know you don't get it. Let me, let me boil this down in a way that you could understand by painting a picture that relates to the world that we live in and then a scenario that might make more sense to you how it plays out. And so then he does that. And so he's talking about this idea of this new community that has received the grace of God is going to act differently than the community that you're currently around. It's gonna look different than the rest of the world. Because, again, forgiveness is a core tenet of everything that we do and everyone that follows Jesus. Now, I love Peter. Peter is one of my favorite uh, men in the Bible. He's the guy who's like, I got it figured out. And he like runs, you know, headlong in. He's like, you don't got nothing figured out. And you're going the wrong way. And you're saying the wrong things. You don't understand. And I like him so much because it reminds me of me. I got a lot of energy and sometimes no direction. And I have a misunderstanding at times. And I love that Peter just represents, I think, a lot of us. We want to do the right thing, but sometimes we just don't get it. Well, Peter just heard this teaching from Jesus and he's like, I get it. I'm going to flex a little bit. I'm going to flex my knowledge to the boys around me. Like, hey, listen up, guys. I, I figured it out. Jesus taught. I get. 
He's going to show Jesus, hey, I, I got it, Jesus. I figured, I, I heard you, and I get it. He's like, so when it comes to forgiveness, if someone sins against us like seven times, right, we should forgive them. Now, you may wonder why that number, well, it's not one, it's not two, it's more. Seven is one of those numbers, it's a holy number, it's a number that reoccurs in the Bible over and over and over again. It's a number of completion. Those, those things all connect to that, and it's not, you know, you give a little bit of a bumper, it's not too small, so it's like, that's gotta be the right one. And then Jesus blows his little understanding of forgiveness out of the water. He's like, I tell you this, not seven, seven times 77. And you're like, okay, I'm doing my math. All the accountants have figured it out already. And so, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's 490. That's the number, the number. So I got, that's, I, I got a ticker and everyone's got a tick on it and I just keep knocking it down. Man, you hit 491, out, you're done, we're done here. No. The idea is not, the, it's not a precise number. What Jesus is showing is like, we just forgive all the time. That like you're always forgiving. You're always moving forward in that manner. And so you're always going to show those that have sinned against you forgiveness. You're going to extend the same grace that I extend to you. And then he tells this story. See, the, the parable is broken into three parts. And we kind of understand the parts that are taking place. And we'll talk about what's what and who's who. But it's three parts. It's God and us, us and others, and God's response towards unforgiveness. Those are the three parts of the parable. And we're going to look at each one of them. But as we move into these sections, we need to know what does everything represent. So we'll do trivia. And this is where we participate and we do it together. So the king represents you guys are winning. We're doing it. We're doing it. Debt is, there we go. The servants are, and more specifically, Christians. Okay, so he's talking about brothers and sisters. So he's talking about the family of God. Now, it does, we're going to talk about things that extend to others as well. But primarily, the context of this passage is he's talking to those that would call themselves followers of Jesus, Christians. That's who he's talking about. So, Let's look at God and us and what's gone on. One of the things that I'll do a lot is, and I've been accused of, people say, Simon, you, you talk about sin too much. You're always talking about all these negative things. And they are correct. And here's why. Good news isn't good news unless you understand the bad news, right? So I'll never end on bad news, but you gotta talk about the bad news so you understand that the good news is actually good. And so as we look at our lives, this is going to be God and us. Keep that in mind. So the king has desired in this story that he's going to square up with the debt that's owed to him by everyone in his land. So he's bringing people in, he's going through it, and he runs into a servant who owes him a crazy amount of money. Now, we don't have a category for this, and we're not talking about dollars or yens or pesos, but it's 10,000 talents. You can look it all up, but the reality is this. It was a measurement of weight is really what it was. And 10,000 talents is quite a bit of weight. And if we're talking about gold or we're talking about silver, we're not just talking about thousands of dollars. Uh, we're probably not even talking about millions. Some have estimated at today's current value, we're talking about billions of dollars, like with an S, like a lot of money. 
So this guy owes all this money. And he's like, oh no, I'm in trouble. I don't have an ability to pay that. But again, it's not about the precise number, is it? See, he's talking about a large sum, something that we can kind of get our minds around, but not really get our minds around. A number that's so big, it's not like, you know, when we say like uh, quadrillion, bazillion, gazillion, manillion dollars. Like that, there's not, that's not real, right? That doesn't make sense. But when you use billions, you're like, okay, there's a few people that make that much money, but there's not a lot. So we can, we can grasp it, but it's so far from where we are. And the idea is just that. This guy owes a ton. And so we'll see that at times hyperbole is how it'll be used. It's, a, it's an exaggerated number to show the contrast and the difference. And that's what's happening in this. So because he doesn't have the ability to pay it back, the king's really clear, hey, you can't pay this back. You don't have the ability to do it. You're not going to be able to do it anytime soon. So I'm going to sell you and your family, and you're going to have to pay off your debt that way. Some will say, well, that's not very nice. That king doesn't seem very nice at all. This is something that was common practice in that day. The audience of that day would have understand that this is how those things took place. If people owed debt and couldn't do that, they would then sell themselves off to be a servant for somebody. That's a common practice that would take place because you can't pay your debt. We're going to try to get whatever we can out of that debt to do those things. And so that was what was going on. And actually what the king was doing was actually, could have been a lot worse, could have, could have had him killed. Well, your life will be the payment and that will be it. But he didn't do that. He said, we're gonna do it in a different way. And so what does a servant do? Well, if you've been here the last few Sundays, there's a theme that's been happening over and over again. When someone is confronted, confronted with the debt that they owe, they always do one thing. They cry out for mercy from God. That is a common theme. Every week we've talked about it, that someone will be like, they'll fall on their knees, they'll cry out, they'll ask for mercy, they'll understand that they don't have the ability to do it, so they ask God to give his generosity and benevolence to them. And that's something that's happening again. Right now we see the guy falls on his knees and he's saying, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back everything. It's worth noting. It's delusional that this guy thinks that he actually has the ability to pay back this kind of debt. This is many lifetimes to pay back a debt like this and he doesn't have that ability. So he still thinks, I can do it. I have the ability to pay it back, but he can't. Well, what's the response from the king? The king knows he can't pay it back. The king knows he doesn't have the ability in and of himself to do that. So he sees him and says, and he has pity on him, that he is moved with compassion. He has called upon my great mercy and I am going to extend it. And so this king looks at this individual who has called upon his mercy and he forgives him his debt. The only person that could forgive the debt, forgave the debt, wiped it clean. The king will absorb the, the cost of not having that debt paid back through his bank account. He has felt that. He's absorbed that from that individual. My friends, this is our story with God. As I was praying last night over this sermon, I was thinking about my debt to God, my sin against God. And, and it was just like watching one of those like flashback reels in a movie and you're just picturing the words that you said, the things that you did, the way you've hurt people, the way you took advantage of people. My selfishness came, it just flooded me. And I was just 
taken back by all the things that I had done in my life that I would never share with anybody because I was so ashamed of how I act. And yet this God that we know has forgiven me those things and wiped those things clean. And I have been made new in him. And just move to the fact that this is the king, the God of the universe that I continually rebel against. We keep sinning all day long. We've talked about this in our words, in our actions, in our thoughts. How many times a day do you think something that is contrary to what God would want you to do with your life? If those things start adding up, you realize that it's accumulating millions and billions of sins against the God of the universe who created you, who loves you, who cares for you. And every time we say, no, I'm gonna do it my way, we're saying, you're wrong, I'll be my own God, I don't need you. He sends his son to die in our place to forgive our sins so we can be with him. We're little sin factories. We just create sin all the time, don't we? Constantly, look at the news. I mean, it's, the news has been rough lately. This is the result of sin, what we're seeing today, right now, in this age, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. There's four things that we need to understand in regards to sin and debt and us and God that we owe God a massive debt. Millions upon billions that we are in debt, that we can never pay that debt back is number two. Just like we learned last week, we don't have the righteousness in our own ability to do those things. Three, we see that God shows us mercy and patience by not punishing us right away. Like if you look at how he's dealing with this servant, He is showing mercy. He is showing patience. He gave him time before he even called on him. That God loves you and that he is generous with his patience and his time because his hope is that his patience would draw you back to him, that the loving God is patient with you to let you see, this is what happens when I walk into sin. This is what happens when I rebel. You know the results when you rebel against God and live outside of the way he wants for you. We've all felt it. We've all experienced it. God says, let me show you what it looks like to do life without me. So you'll want to do life with me. Like that's the big idea. And for, and for that God provides a way for our debt to be paid. How? If we cry out to him. I love the simplicity. The crying out is the pure posture of humility. I can't, you can. So who's the, who's the hero of the story? It's, by the way, if you're here every week, it's kind of the same guy. It's always the same guy. The king is the hero, right? The king is the hero of the story. He is modeling love. He is modeling care. He is modeling restraint and provision and justice and wisdom and grace and protection. The king is the hero. He's the one that we want to be like. He's the one that we go, this is the guy that I want to be underneath. This is how he deals with life. I want to be a part of that. So the man leaves, full of joy. What does he do? Well, next section, us and others, verses 28 through 31. And this is where we need to focus. So Jesus kind of front loads everything with what we have been forgiven. 
where we are in Christ now, what's been done for us. So that when we get to the second part, it's gonna make sense and the contrast really kind of has a bite to it. And there's two main points of this parable. And the first one we've covered is the gift of salvation is immeasurable, right? That's the first point. The second one is this. We must be comparably merciful to others being that we receive such a great grace from God. So our servant heads out. Now, it's hard to tell with the servant what's going on. It says that he found a fellow servant. So was he looking like, oh, I, I, this guy owes me money, so I'm going to go look for him? Or I was walking down the street and I found him. It could be either one. It doesn't really matter, although one is worse than the other. We say that he finds a servant and he owes him 100 denarii. Now, let's be clear. I've heard people preach on this and they're like, oh, you know, it's like a couple of bucks that he owes him. That is not accurate. A denarii is worth much more than that. Usually it's a day's wage. So we're looking at somewhere by today's standards of around $10,000, more or less, give or take. So that's a chunk of money. Someone owes you $10,000, you're gonna know about that. It's not gonna be, oh, I forgot I gave you 10 grand. Oh yeah, that thing. Like, for me, that's a car. You know, that's, that's nice. So you, you look at that and go, it's a substantial amount of money, but that's the big idea, Right? In contrast to what he was forgiven, it's really insignificant, isn't it? It's really nothing. And the big idea is that this is the picture that we have, that there will be others that do sin against us. There will be others that wrong us. There will be others that hurt us because we're people, right? And we are working through sanctification. And so he runs across another person of the same kingdom, so a part of the family. And he could have been like, you know, I don't have, I don't have to acknowledge, I'll just ignore him. And that'll be kind of cool. Or, you know, I don't even talk to him or I just, I just experience this really cool thing and I can go to him and say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it, man. I'm just feeling good today because the king's been good to me, so I want to be good to you. No, that's, that's really not it at all what takes place. And it's interesting. So He grabs him by the throat and starts choking him. Do you see the difference between him and the king? The king just calls him in and says, hey, we need to settle our accounts. What does he do? He uses force. He uses intimidation. He's threatening the guy. He's acting much, much more harsher than the king who actually had more debt. Why? Because we think that we're wronged more. We think that there's something about how this looks that we can't do it. I just, I think it's interesting. So like, as you look at the, the king, there's this deja vu moment where the servant that he grabs is almost saying word for word what he said to the king, right? It's almost the exact, I think it's one word off. It says, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And the other guy says, have patience with me and I will pay you. It's like right there. It's the same thing pleading on their knees, doing the same thing. You would think in that moment that this guy's like, you know, my king's amazing. My king's fantastic. He has forgiven me. He's loved me. He's cared for me. He's wiped away my debt. He's forgiven all that is before me. He could have punished me, but he chose not to. I love my king. I want to be like my king. I want to, I want to do the things that he does. I want to emulate him in every single way. Unless he didn't really love the king. And the king was an ends to a means for him. It really wasn't about the king. It wasn't about, it was just like, oh, I got off the hook. 
So I got what I needed and everything worked out for me. So I don't really care about the king. So I don't really have an affection or a love or desire to please the king at all. As a matter of fact, I'm just here to please myself. So what he says, no. And then he exacts judgment on the servant to send him back to jail so he can pay back everything. Here's the funny part. How do you pay back that debt if you're in jail and can't work? How are you gonna do that? Do you see what he's saying? He's like, you're just gonna go, I'm so mad, you go rot in prison. You go rot in prison and die. Again, much harsher. At least the king was like, I'm gonna sell you off and you can work for that and you can work that thing off the best you can. No, much harsher, why? Why does he act like he is more wronged than the king? This is what we do, isn't it? Do you ever feel more wronged in life by how someone's treated you than how you've treated God? And that's just reality, right? We do this all the time. Our response is so over the top because we believe that in our little world, in our little kingdom, or we're our own little gods, that we've been wronged. And you're wrong. God has been offended more, hundreds and thousands of times more than you have ever been offended And I'm not trying to make light of what's happened to you. I'm not trying to make light of the pain that was caused in that. Don't mishear me on that. What I'm saying is comparison to how we've treated God, there is no comparison. You have not been wronged more than God has. And when we think that, we have a small view. We have a short-term memory loss when it comes to those areas in our life, don't we? Well, people are people. And it doesn't take very long for the king to find out, does it? They're like, did you see what happened? Let's go talk to the king. Like, it doesn't take long. I I mean, if you've got kids, kid messes up, two other kids are going to come like, did you see what happened? Justice. Like, that's what they're looking for. Like, go take care of business. Make it happen. So it doesn't take long for the king to pull that servant in. And that's God's response to unforgiveness. That's our last section that we're going to be in drags him in, and he's going to tell him exactly how he feels about his behavior. He is not going to beat around the bush. He's not going to mince words. What does he say? You wicked servant. Like, let's just cut to the chase. Like, we're not going to, how you doing? you, You wicked servant. What is he really saying? You evil servant. Your behavior is evil. It is the opposite of good. Everything you've done is completely and utterly wrong in this situation. And then he paints this picture. I forgave you all your debt because you called on my mercy. How is it that you could not show mercy to your fellow servant? I modeled in excess how you are to act as my servant. I showed you what pure, unstained grace looks like. I blessed you. I was generous with you. You couldn't even make it a day. Never penetrated your heart. Never met you where you were. Maybe you're thinking, you know, Simon, the guy was in his rights. The guy owed him money. He's got to take care of his family. You know, he's got bills to pay. You know, he's doing all those things. And, you know, maybe he was a little harsh by choking him. 
but I think he was in his rights. If you feel that way. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. No one, no. <laughs> Man, should I? I don't know. <laughs> be a lot of meetings afterwards today if that's the case. If that's you, I want you to understand that that the king is directly addressing that attitude. He is addressing that posture. And this is what he says. If you want me to judge with justice, then I'll judge with justice. If you want me to judge with grace, then I'll judge with grace. You can't have both. Your worldview dictates how you live. And either you live by justice in your own moral code or you use God's standards to understand where we are and you ask for grace because that's all we have. I ask, do you want to live by justice or do you want to live by grace? That is the question that every single person in this room must answer. And if you want to live by justice, I guarantee you will not be calling out to God for his grace. We talk about hypocrisy all the time, and that is hypocrisy at its core, isn't it? Isn't that what it is? It's this idea that we're we're, we're having people try to live to our standards, but here's the problem. In this world, in life, we don't live by our standards, do we? We live by God's standards. God's standard is perfection. If you're perfect, that's great. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not. I am not going to be able to reach that standard. I'm like the tax collector from last week. I'm like, I'm hosed. I cannot keep this law. I cannot do this. All I can do is ask for grace and mercy because there's no way that I have the ability to do it in myself. If you're wondering what I'm referencing, go back last week on the podcast and you can go ahead and listen to that sermon. It's really fantastic. (laughs) It's all right. It's mediocre. It all comes back to this. It's an understanding of the gospel. You have to start asking, do I understand what I've been saved from? Do I understand what's really been done for me? And I find as I counsel people and I talk with people and I meet with people, they don't understand the huge debt that God paid on the cross. They don't understand that another man died for you. What you earned with your sin was God's wrath and judgment. Rightfully so. And because he loved you and you couldn't meet his standard, he sent one that could meet that standard and then took your place for that wrath and punishment, was nailed to a cross after being beaten and then died takes your sin and places it on himself to satisfy God's wrath who absorbed our sin like we talked about earlier and then gives us his righteousness so we can even come before God. We all had a death sentence and now we don't for those who have called Jesus their Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. That's what's going on. And if you don't understand that, you're not, this parable makes no sense. You don't think it means anything. And what he's saying is if you understand what's been done, it will change you. You will live different. Those who encountered Jesus 
didn't live the same way. Either they rejected him and went about the same lifestyle or they changed completely. A lot of people, as they engage God through the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they do something very profound. They change their name because their name was attached to their identity. And so when they came in contact with God, they were no longer who they once were. They became someone new. That's the idea. He's saying, if you haven't been changed, what's going on in your life? You know why you love the movie, The Christmas Carol? Because Scrooge was horrible. And then he became good, right? Like there was a change and he kept Christmas in his heart all year round. God bless us. Like he did all that. We love that. And so the king moves to how, this is how you should have responded. This is what you should have done. But because you didn't, I am now going to punish you. Verse 35 is terrifying. Let me read it. And also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. So when he says he sent them to a jailer, the correct translation is torturer. I sent you to jail to be tortured. See, Jesus is alluding to what's going to happen in the afterlife, that those that are separated from God, that there is a place where there will be torture and anguish and pain until it can get paid back, right? You're like, ah, I'm Catholic, purgatory. We got it. We got a verse. Sorry, that's not a verse for you because the amount is so much it could never be paid back. That's the point of the story. Complete separation and punishment from God. If you want justice, if you want to represent yourself and your standard, this is what you have. Why? Why would Jesus be so harsh? This is harsh. This is an aggressive verse. Because we are image bearers of God. We were made to reflect the nature and character in God in everything that we do. When sin came, we couldn't do that, could we? But as soon as we gave our lives to Christ and the Holy Spirit filled us, we now have the ability to reflect God appropriately. Where once we couldn't, now we can. And that's the beauty of what's going on in this section. If we've been forgiven and made new and have the Holy Spirit, doesn't it make sense that we would look more and more like God? And if the power of God is the gospel to forgive sins, doesn't it at least make sense that we would start forgiving those in our own family? Like, he's not even talking outside right now. Like, if you can't even forgive each other and you all understand the gospel and you've all been saved by grace, if you can't do that here, how in the world are you going to do that outside of these walls? It's just the base level that he's talking about. And some of you may be like, Simon, you are reaching. I don't, I don't think I am. If you're not, if your life doesn't look different in this area, you gotta ask some questions about what you believe about Jesus. You gotta start asking some questions about, man, if I haven't been transformed, if I'm not new, what does that mean about me? What does that mean about my relationship with God and my walk with God? Have I been changed? Have I even had a real encounter with Jesus? You gotta ask that. There's a verse, I'm going to share some verses. I'm going to let the Bible talk a little bit. Jesus is going to share some stuff, and, the, and the, uh, the apostles are going to share some stuff that I just want you to hear, that I'm not making this up. This is a theme that, that moves through the Bible. Jesus said this, I shared it uh, a couple weeks ago, but I think it, it lands right. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. 
Jesus hitting the very idea of what it looks like. Are you going to be living by justice? Or are you going to be living by grace? For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's not an isolated event where he says that. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Are you, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Our lives are meant to bring God glory and to reflect God and all we do and lift his name up, not our name. We don't get to decide what we get to do anymore. We've been bought with a price. Ephesians. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's how you should live based on the example that I have shown you. And then this last one. Colossians 3.13. I'm going to actually read 12. Sorry, guys, in the back. I'm going to add 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. These are not good ideas. These are not suggestions. These are commands from God for how we should live and what we should do. So what? That's great, Simon. What does that mean for me? Well, I want to push. I want to push on us a little bit today. And I want us to ask some questions. One, maybe you're here and you got coerced into coming this morning by a spouse or a loved one and you're like, I shouldn't be in this room, but here I am. It's not a coincidence. God wanted you to hear this message. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you've never heard that there is this debt that you owe to God and someday you will stand before our king and he will give an, you will give an account for how you lived your life and you can either be judged by justice or you can be judged by grace. You can make that decision today. How do I want to be judged? Because I know for me, I want to be judged by God's grace. And I would, I would call on you to look at your life. Unless you're living a perfect life and batting a thousand, you need grace just like all of us. There's no one here that's better than anybody because we all need Jesus. And we all need to bow and knee together. And I would call you as someone who loves you enough to tell you the truth that you will stand before a God and he will judge you and you can be judged by Jesus or you can be judged by you. And please, I implore you, place your faith in the life of Jesus and you will be saved and your sins will be forgiven and the burden of that sin will be gone. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you made a, a, a proclamation that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I want to push on you. And I would say the majority of people in here are Christians. Is there someone in your life you have not forgiven? Chances are. 
Darius. This week was me weeding through my junk of people that have wronged me, that have sinned against me, that have said things about me that were untrue, and you kind of hold that back. Like, I'm going to hold on to that because I can make them pay a little bit here and there by not being nice to them, ignoring them, not whatevering with them. I'm going to make them pay it out. Who's wronged you? Who's hurt you? Who's done things in your life that have made you feel the sting of sin? I'm not even saying like it's a misunderstanding. Like they have just sinned against you. Have you forgiven them? Do you understand the gospel enough to realize that that sin, as bad as it may be, does not compare to our sin against God? Do you understand the gospel? Has it penetrated your heart in a way that you want to be like our king? Unlike the unforgiving servant who didn't want to be like the king. Do you want to be like the king? Do you want to be like our savior who forgives? Because at the end of the day, if you can't do this, if, you, if your heart is the same as the unforgiving servant, you, you gotta ask some questions. Like, well, I've been going to church my whole life and I haven't been changed. I, I, I would say this. Today is the day that God is calling you to come back to him. I had to do this. I did not like it. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable to do that. But it's what we've been called to. God will give you the strength to do that. Because here's the thing at the end of the day. We're talking about jails and prisons. and That unforgiveness holds you captive. And you will never be able to be fully who God has called you to be if you can't let go of that unforgiveness. You can't forgive. I mean, we're we're called Christians, little Christ, right? Isn't that how he would respond? Isn't that what he would do? Who do you need to forgive? Take the time this week. Take the time today. As as, uh, Mark's gonna come up, he's gonna play some. Take this time during this song to start asking that question. Who is it? Who do I need to forgive? And as you go out, do the work. Ask God, God, reveal to me, convict in my heart, who I know, and then you know what? Names are gonna pop up. And that's where you gotta figure out, do I trust God and will I do what God's called me to or will I not? Let's pray. Jesus, I know this week has been so hard with this sermon. It's such a straightforward passage, but yet the ending is so hard to realize that you are calling us to live out what your son has done for us. That you're calling us to trust you in this area. That the very thing that drew people in in the early church was a family of believers that forgave each other. That extended grace. That wiped away the debt so they could be in community. And because of that, men and women were saved as they saw glimpses of the gospel tangibly in front of them. Lord, may may we be those people. May you allow us to forgive others. May we show the love of Jesus in all that we do. Lord, I pray this in your name. Amen.